Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. So what is Isaiah chapter 60 all about? Says the glory of Zion in my Bible, Colin. It's a tremendously encouraging word from God. It's a word of command. But, you know, we need to take these words seriously and personally because although they were spoken to Israel hundreds of years ago, they are relevant to all of us today because we've grafted into Israel. But also, Jesus is the yes and the amen to all the promises of God. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Wonderful. You see, now this is true corporately of God's people, but it's also true for each one of us individually. And you can see how relevant it is for the present time because as we look at the world around us in this nation and beyond, it is surely true that spiritual darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But instead of lamenting this and just whinging about it, God has a very positive thing for his people to do. He says, arise, shine, for your light has come. Yes, there may be a lot of darkness around you, but you are called to be the light of the world. You are called to shine as a light in the midst of the darkness. And the deeper the darkness, the more obvious the light. And of course, although these words were written 700 years or so before Jesus came, they have, in one sense, already been fulfilled because the light of God has come. Jesus has come, and he said, I am the light of the world. And the glory of the Lord has already risen upon us because Jesus has been restored to glory, and from that glory, he has poured out upon us the life and power of the Holy Spirit. So it is true for us that our light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon us. That's why we shouldn't be depressed, we shouldn't be anxious and worried, we shouldn't um, speak negatively about ourselves and our situations and circumstances, but we can be absolutely positive because the Lord rises upon us and his glory appears over us. Is there also a sense that this chapter gives us an insight into God's overall plan for the world? Of course, I mean, we do know from the book of Revelation what the final outcome is going to be, that God is going to come again and there will be a passing away of the old, the heavens and the earth as we now perceive them, and there will be uh, a new heaven and a new earth. Everything will be consumed by fire. That's not just an atomic bomb or a hydrogen bomb or anything like that, but everything, even the elements, will melt, uh, the Scripture says. Um, to Peter and um, you know even the heavens will be consumed by fire it, it, it will be as if the creation as we know it will pass away and everything that is defiled everything that is not of God everything that is impure will be will be burnt up with it and there will be a new heaven and a new earth and that will be peopled by those who belong to the Lord those who are his faithful ones those who have entered into his glory I mean, even if we don't see it, this chapter really speaks about the how active God is. Yes, you see, so there's a sense in which this has already um, 
been fulfilled. But of course, it will only fully be fulfilled when Jesus Christ comes again. And there are a lot of what we call messianic scriptures, those which speak about the Messiah uh, in, in the Old Testament, where that is true. Because as you've often heard me say, the, the problem for the Jewish people was that they did not realize from Scripture, they did not perceive from Scripture, that the Old Testament promises two comings of the Messiah, not one. The first, which has already been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, when he came as the suffering servant, which is what Isaiah 53 was all about, as we were seeing last week. But then when he will come again in the King of Glory, the, um, the Jewish people are expecting him to come as the King of Glory and rejected Jesus because he didn't come as the King of Glory. Uh, king, yes, but he came as the King who suffered on the cross for us. And they never really understood and perceived that this was the fulfillment of Isaiah 53. So, um, you know, God is going to fulfill all of his promises to Israel. I mean, the following, the following verses you see are wonderful in that respect. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth of the, on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. All these things shall be fulfilled. We, they, they shall be fulfilled in the fullness of time when uh, God's purposes are fully manifest and Jesus comes again. Wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. There are so many great promises that I have taken personally. Uh, and, um, uh, for example, in verse 17 of um, chapter 60, instead of bronze, I will bring you gold and silver in place of iron. Instead of wood, I will bring you bronze and iron in place of stones. Uh, I will make peace your governor and righteousness your ruler. I mean, I, you know, that these are spoken to God's people corporately. They're spoken to his nation. But they're also words that you can understand personally for yourself, that it doesn't matter what God has given you now and what you're living in now. There is always more. There is always uh, greater things that God wants to do in your life. There's always a greater revelation of himself that he wants to give you. You know, it may may seem that what you've got is good now, but in place of the bronze, he's going to bring gold. In place of, the, uh, of iron, he's going to give you silver. Wonderful, wonderful truth. Um, so, you see, we, we really need to take on board all these scriptures in a personal way as well as in a corporate way. Now, in chapter 61, we have the words that Jesus himself said were fulfilled through him. You remember when he was given the um, roll, the scroll of Isaiah to read in the synagogue at Nazareth. He read this passage, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, Jesus stopped there. The prophecy continues, and the day of vengeance of our God. 
But Jesus never quoted that, never said that in the, um, in the synagogue at Nazareth. Now, it's very important to understand why. Because, you see, he had come not to judge but to save. He had come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He had not come to proclaim the day of judgment, which is the day of vengeance of our God. So that again speaks of the two days of the coming of the Messiah, when he comes to bring the grace of God to make it possible for us to be saved and become part of his kingdom. But he will come again when all the living and the dead will be judged. Presumably that wouldn't have been lost on the people in that synagogue. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, um, I, I don't suppose for a moment that that is what was occupying them because after Jesus quoted what he said, he turned to them and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So I think, uh, you know, that's what really would have preoccupied them. I mean, what is this man saying? That the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, that he is the anointed one, which is the Christ, which is the Messiah, this is a messianic scripture. Uh, but you see, what I want you to understand is that because the Spirit of God has come upon you as a believer, this is a portion of scripture that you need to speak over your life again and again. We often at Kingdom Faith, in our prayer meetings, pray these words over our lives personally and over the church corporately. Why? Because it's true for you, if you have received the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you, because the Lord has anointed you. But why has he anointed you? To preach good news to the poor, to go and tell others the gospel. You don't need a pulpit to preach. You don't need to be a preacher of sermons to preach. You just bring people the revelation of truth that will set them free. He has anointed you to bind up the brokenhearted, and to proclaim freedom for those that are in any kind of bondage, to release from darkness those that are held prisoner, and to proclaim that today is the day of salvation. Today is the year of the Lord's favor. So you see, we all share in the ministry of Jesus Christ on the earth today because we live in him and he lives in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. What will be the outcome of this? Well, the scripture continues, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Now you see, this is wonderful, that if you go out in your anointing and do what God says, then you will see people's lives changed. You will comfort those who mourn. You will provide for those who grieve. You will be able to bring people to a place of beauty instead of the ashes that their lives are at this time. You can lead them through to a place of gladness instead of mourning and of praise instead of being in a spirit of despair. And if you do this, then the Lord says, you will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, for the display of his glory. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 